Let me tell you of the days of high adventure. What's up, everybody? This is John. And I'm Kevin. And this is Six Degrees of Schwarzenegger, the podcast where we take a long, hard look at some of our favorite action movies from the era of Arnold. (laughs) Get it. Schwarzenegger is the icon of the genre. And we're taking a deep dive into some of these 80s and 90s cult action movies. And we're breaking them all the way down. Welcome back, everyone. We're pleased as punch to have you. Hi, John. Hey, Kevin. Hey, buddy. How are you? I'm fucking great. I, I feel like I'm I'm getting drunker by the moment. That's the whole that's the whole object of this. Andrew, um, are you there? I am here. I'm excited yes. to be here for take three, act three. Take three of act three. Sometimes even. Uh, old seasoned pros like us have technical difficulties, but we're uh, we're not quitters. We are stupid, but we're not <laughs> quitters. Um, and uh, we're glad to be back with you guys as we continue discussing 1993's Last Action Hero, um, a movie that it wasn't directly responsible for the death of the action movie as we know it, but it sure sure shit helped. I think it didn't help. Maybe. Yeah, it, it certainly didn't help. Uh, yeah. What I still blame, I lay the full blame at Michael Bay's feet. I yeah. think he killed the genre. I think he started making Transformers movies, and and then, yeah, it just became all about CG and fuck a story. Anywho. Yeah. <laughs> now, I mean, sto- story being, was never critical. Being That's the, true. Now, Michael Bay, if you're listening, and I have to assume that you are, you're welcome to come on the podcast anytime. <laughs> And defend yourself, sir. He's done some great movies. The Rock and Bad Boys are great. Yeah, yeah. If you if you want to come on and defend yourself, we're we're more than willing to have those conversations. I will I will suck your dingus uh, <laughs> while you defend yourself. If you what? come on this podcast, whoa! Look, this is a pandemic, yeah. sir. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be wearing a mask at the time. Wow. <laughs> Wow. All right. Well, I guess this part got weird. <laughs> well, I'm glad to be here. I'm tipsy, um, we're glad my to have you. I'm glad to have you here. Um, I'm going to go ahead and get us caught up on what's happened in the movie to this mm-hmm. point. So like we said, this is uh, episode three. What's happened previously is that within the movie that's in the movie, uh, Jack Slater four, Jack has just found his uncle Frank tied to a chair Uncle Frank tells him all about the the alleged Vivaldi plot. And as he divulges the plot to Jack, he dramatically expires. A bomb goes off. Jack makes it out alive, of course, unscathed. Minor wound, I think uh, <laughs> it's, it's called. Um, and as there's a, a car chase ensues with some bad guys, we're not really sure why. Um, Danny is magically transported into the movie. Um, the, 
the chase ends with bad guys exploded and with ice cream cones in their head and Jack trying to figure out who Danny is and Danny trying to um, vehemently maintain that this is a movie and that everything that's happening shouldn't be happening, but it is. He is assigned as Jack's partner to solve the Vivaldi case. They drive around uh, Hollywood and miraculously find the house that Danny recognizes from act one of the movie, the only part of the movie that he actually saw. And they meet Benedict, the, the genius Moriarty type villain in the movie who knows immediately that something's up with Danny and that he's more than what he seems and says that he's going to keep his one eye out for Danny to see what's up. <laughs> and that is, that should get us caught up. That I is think. a, you've done a dandy job. <laughs> <laughs> As I see you drinking beer with a straw. <laughs> well, it's how I, I have to keep it out of my headset, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my oh, God. Baby, baby. Tell me about your beverages, boys. <laughs> well, Kevin, for the third time, this is Yukio premium lager beer from Decatur's own Three Taverns okay. Brewery. Okay. And the empty can in my hand is a St. <laughs> Arnold uh, in honor of... Our St. Arnold. Um, mm. oh. Yeah, that's how you honor him. Um, <laughs> this is the uh, H-Town Pills from Houston's own uh, St. Arnold Brewery. And I'm just fucking chugging bourbon, boys. <laughs> yeah. Bellmead. Mm, sweet. Okay. It's how okay. every child should have watched this movie. Drunk. Drunk. <laughs> yeah. Drunk off their ass. Yep. I love it. Uh, I will take us into the plot here. So, yes, as you say, Jack and Danny, they've just left the goons' uh, lair. Jack has taken Danny back to this amazing house in the Hollywood Hills, his ex-wife's place. Uh, there's this bizarre, heavy-handed exposition about why are you parking the car at the end of the driveway. It's not a long driveway. There was another car parked ahead of his. He parked it where he could. This, this, doesn't, need, <laughs> this doesn't need to be being said. But I guess <laughs> I actually I don't I still don't know why it's important. But is it is it one of those things where like in an action movie the hero can't have a good relationship with his wife unless it's perhaps for me, yeah. un unless she died like that's the option for me. The reason why he's talking about the car being parked at the end of the driveway is why didn't the car get destroyed when the house blows up in a minute. Is, yeah. But the daughter's car is parked even closer and it's fine. I was about to say, her, her truck ends up being just fine. It's, yeah. just, it, it's kind of a beast, to be fair. It's just dumb. But I do like that Danny says, don't worry, your ex-wife's not here because her name wasn't in the credits. That's, that's a good, that's, that's like a, solid a clever, joke. that's the line this movie needs to walk. Is yeah. like yeah. constant references from the kid that, no, don't worry, this is just a movie, dude. Like, I yeah, know what's going to happen next because it's a movie. Danny's um, digging really deep into the credits to know that the ex-wife <laughs> from the previous films before seeing the movie isn't going to be in the movie. And we have to bear in mind that I, IMDb did not exist at this time. Yeah. We, yeah, we saw the opening titles to the film and it didn't have the whole list of actors, right? It just had no. the director, Franco Columbu. Yeah, maybe maybe that's the credits he's trying and, to imply. And Arnold and Meredith Caprice and then one other person. Those are the only people okay. that it said. Maybe yeah. normally the wife's name would be up there if she was in it, if it was an A-lister. She, she had a bigger role and they who had to would cut have her been out. The Who would have been the wife? We don't have time for that. <laughs> no. <laughs> 
Okay. Uh, <laughs> oh boys, we got a we got a soldier on. Um, yeah, that's right. Now there's this fucking terrible joke with the yes. What? Who does the doctor see? Patients and look at the elbow of my jacket. What's it doing? Wearing thin. Bingo. It's like fucking Shane Black. Restrain yourself. He, as you said earlier, he's like he he was a he was unleashed. He was <laughs> unleashed. Of his power. I got some bad puns I've come up with over the years, and I haven't been able to use them. But this is the world in which the worse the joke is, the 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 harder yep. you groan, yep. the more appropriate it is. I bet he had it written on like a sticky note from years <laughs> earlier. It's a post-it that's been on his like little bulletin board for years. Yep. Um, now there's this cartoonish truck parked there that Jack says belongs to his daughter. It's this fucking like lift kitted up Bronco or blazer or something. It's amazing. Flames on the side. Casey lamps. It's like chopped. It's got no roof on it. It's fucking it looks rad. like something looks like something I drew in third grade. <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> I thought I had that hot wheel. I want that. Yeah, it's fucking rad. Um, so Jackson's Danny to knock on the door again, I guess, with the under the like cover that he's trying to hide from his wife or ex-wife. Yeah. If the wife's at home, this beautiful young blonde opens the door and just kisses Danny right on the face. Boy, yeah, yeah. <laughs> For sure. Austin O'Brien is 12 at this point. <laughs> oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. Bridget Wilson has to be 20 ish. Probably. 20s. Yeah. 12 year old Andrew would have ripped, <laughs> ripped the seam out of the front of his pants. Um, <laughs> we need, we need some from, someone from yeah. wardrobe, please. I, yeah. I would have, <laughs> if, if Miss Veronica Vaughn had just planted one right on my face. Nice. Uh, yeah. Sonia Blade. <laughs> or Sonia Blade, yeah. Delicious. Sonia Blade. Uh, Danny calls her Meredith, which is supposed to have been the fictitious actress's name. Right. Who played it, Meredith Caprice. Um, in reality, it's Bridget Wilson. Went on to become Bridget Wilson Sampras when she married Pete Sampras. You may have seen her at Wimbledon hanging out in the box or whatever. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. They wouldn't let me in. but <laughs> So... Jack steps out from behind some shrubbery, surprises her. She plays it like super over the top, bubbly, whatever. Like, I think it's Jack Slater world portrayal. Everything is just (laughs) amped up to 11. California Valley girl type, like typecast sort of thing. Gorgeous. Yeah. She's wearing like a robe or something. She's fresh from the shower or whatever has happened. She's about to get in the shower. shower. Uh, Whitney says that she's been waiting on this dude who's supposed to show up as, and she's got to kiss him as like a sorority prank. Skeezy. Skeezy. She's waiting on skeezy. Uh, they enter the house. Danny notices there's like a tin filled with wads of cash on the table. Uh-huh. Uh, as you Jack, do, you know, but that's, that, so, all right. All right. So now this makes sense. So he says that he'd been paying his wife in that money for alimony, like basically stealing evidence. Right. And says it's, it's for evidence and it burns funny colors when you like, it creates funny colors when you burn it. Yeah. So he just been, that's why the money's in the house because he'd given his wife this money for alimony. That's how they explain it. Yeah. He says it was evidence from a case that he tried to pay his alimony with it. So he's a shitty cop. And yeah. husband. <laughs> and husband. <laughs> He's passing her 
how much alimony could he possibly owe? Like, it seems like she's living a lot better than him. It feels like maybe yeah. it should be child support at this point. Like he's. Yeah, that's true. Alimony, I think, is if there's no kids involved. Right. I mean, I don't really know because I don't pay it, but maybe he just wants Whitney to have a nice life. Yeah. Whatever. Whatever's going on. I will say in the original script, there was no child of, there was no Whitney character. So alimony could be left over from an earlier draft in which there wasn't a kid around. Yeah, that's fair. They wanted it to be a family movie with a hot daughter. (laughs) They need a hot, we need a hot, nubile, uh, barely legal daughter. God. (laughs) Just fucking Christ. Um, It's the truth. The casting description. Yeah, he yeah. points out, right, the, as you said, the money will, like, it turns funny colors when you burn it. Um, yeah, How do you that's think he figured it. that out? Was he just burning the money? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but it's fucking handy exposition to have. Yeah. Man, it reminds me of, like, Chris Farley in Wayne's World when he knows every fucking move that the that the big boss man of the record label is going to make. Like, yep. oh, he's going to drive here, and then he's going to drive there, and then back through Chicago on his way to Philadelphia, or whatever the fuck, and Wayne's like, yeah, well, that guy had an awful lot of information for a security guard, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> it's like you got to call uh, attention to exposition that's that yeah. fucking clumsy. Definitely. Um, now, there's a picture of Jack and a young son who we saw earlier in the film being a hostage of the Ripper. Uh, Jack gets all sad. Yeah. We questioned earlier in take one of this episode about why that picture is there. And I've now I've had time to think about it <laughs> and a little more beer. And my tell me and my and my theory is that based on what we know about what Jack says about the, his relationship with his ex-wife and how like he's basically sort of still hung up on her. And he mm-hmm. tries to convince the guys down at the station that he's not a loser and he has a private life is that what if he slipped that picture in there to try to like like have some sympathy points with the ex-wife he wants that like, ex remember, back, you're thinking remember remember me remember <laughs> <laughs> how much our dead son loved me oh, shit um uh. i don't know i could just see it if the if the wife's got no ill will towards him and this is a good picture of the kid like you know whatever it works yeah. uh jack asked danny if danny's got a cigar Weird. Yeah, Danny says no. Huh? So Jack takes off. Uh, he's gone off to like the newsstand or whatever. He, it's strange for him to just leave Danny alone in his house. Or his, in his, not even his house. To leave him alone his in his house ex-wife's house. With, with his, his with his daughter. With his horny daughter. Right. <laughs> it's <laughs> like that farmer. Yeah, you can stay here, but don't be kissing my daughter. <laughs> so as Jack is driving, he has that flashback to the scene mm-hmm. on the rooftop that we saw earlier with the, the Ripper, like pulling his right. kid off the roof. I feel like if the Ripper hadn't killed his son, <laughs> Jack would have done it himself. Cause he like, <laughs> he jumps on that gun and he just like fires from the ground. <laughs> and it seems pretty likely that the angle that he shoots would have just blasted that kid right in the eyes, like just yeah. right in the face. It's one of that the like been, six guns that he takes out of his pockets. That would have been an, a darker turn than even the Ripper killing him. Was it? What if Jack had killed him? Maybe that's why the wife left him. Yeah, before he hit the pavement, you put a bullet through his head. Yeah. Damn. The autopsy sorry, came back. Sorry, Jack. It wasn't the fall that killed him. It was the bullet. <laughs> Shit. And he was like, damn. I don't know. The whole thing is dark, man. Was We think that was, that was the end of of uh, Jack Slater three. We think. 
It had a very Empire Strikes Back sort of dark ending. It had a dark ending. Or it might be like this, the like middle act where like the kid dies and now Jack's got to go after and get revenge. It was in the middle of the day right. in the bomb theater. So we don't know <laughs> what, what reel they were on. It was that breakfast showing of Jack Slayer three. <laughs> it, it'd be a hell of a weird ending for a movie to have the hero's kid get killed and then fucking roll credits. I think more movies should do it. Just try it. Shakespearean. It's made Jack a very sad. He's, he's haunted by the ghost of his dead son. Now, back at the house, uh, Whitney is telling Danny that the kid would have been about your age if he hadn't died. What's weird to me is they set up the scenario where, like, Slater is in search of a son and and uh, Danny is in search of a father. But then they never, like, take that plunge. They just remain like buddies. I guess that makes sense. Buddy comedy, father and son movie. I don't know. You can't get all that deep in an action movie like this, though. Yeah. Like, it's not a family drama. It's not something that we really want to care about anyway. You want to <laughs> see him, like, shoot some shit and blow shit up. Just kill and, somebody. Yeah, Shut up and, like, and what it, enjoy the diehard. Yeah. yeah and, and what it ends up being is that all, all Danny wants is to be brave and... Jack Slater just wants to be a real boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they got to be one dimensional. And now they like they've already got at least the one dimension. And yeah, they can't decide what that one dimension is. So they're like these weird rotating paper people. Yeah, <laughs> I will say, man, I, uh, you know, Whitney stepped out in the little short shorts and spaghetti string like red tank top. Just looking like a 90s fucking dream. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just have to. It has to be said. I don't. It gives me no pleasure to say that. By the way, <laughs> really. <laughs> uh, anywho, is it? There's a knock at the door. <laughs> they. She says, "Oh, that must be Skeezy." The, Skeezy's here. The child that she was supposed to kiss. Yes, the underage boy she was meant to kiss. Yep. Danny, an 11 year old, <laughs> says, "I'll get. I'll get rid, I'll get of, rid of him." Of him. Like, that's a fucking weirdly suave suitor move for a mm-hmm. kid who's that age. Like, Baller. Like, or it was just left over from when that character was meant yeah. to be older. And you they go just get back like, in the shower. I'll be there in a minute. <laughs> Amazing. Um, Danny opens the door, and it's Benedict in an army of goons because, of course, it is. Benedict has a weird, like, red fucking lizard eye in yeah. his head. And just, like, this army of generic dudes Mm -hmm. they step in they grab everybody you know somebody's a fucking man handling uh whitney danny's the 11 year old he's watched too many movies he's like if you hurt a hair on her head and then benedict this bit is great benedict is like everybody freeze (laughs) and he like walks over he plucks a hair out of her head and then walks and gets right in danny's face and like just breaks it in half in front of him Fucking amazing. (laughs) Yeah, it's awesome. I love it. It's great, dude. Now, Benedict is like, all right, how, Danny, little boy, how do you know so much about me? And Danny's like trying to feed him bullshit. I like that Benedict is like fucking figured shit out. It makes you wonder why he hasn't been more successful. Yeah. Yeah. Benedict knows some shit's going on. And Benedict drops a great line where he's like, I've killed people smarter and younger than you, <laughs> which is asshole. <laughs> it's a great villain line. It's just so I've good. I've killed children. Yeah. He's like, he's channeling that sort of 
whatever Alan Rickman, Hans Gruberish mm-hmm. energy, yeah. and he's nailing it. Uh, Benedict grabs Danny's wallet. He starts going through it. There's like, I guess, I don't know what, a school ID, a fucking library card or something. Yeah, he's like, something you're like Danny that. Madigan from New York. You're a long way from home. Uh, he's also finds the half a ticket stub in his wallet. He looks at that mm-hmm. like critically. Uh, it would have been hilarious had he had like a whole strip of condoms. Fucking magnums. <laughs> <laughs> I got 11 year olds packed. Oh my God. So Danny is like, says, you know, there, I get it. There's beef between Benedict and Jack. So you know, why don't you take this money that's on the table over here and leave me and the girl alone? Smart thinking. Goon grabs the money. He's like, holy shit, there's thousands of dollars here. And Benedict is like, whoa, 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 this is very fucking suspicious. He's like, are the right. bills marked or something? And uh, I guess Danny leads him to believe that they are. So he instructs the goon to, like, burn the money. He grabs that wad of cash and flips it to the dude who fucking can't catch it. <laughs> I love that. Butterfingers, guys. Like, a, it's a great touch. Yeah. It is great. Like, and... It's just great because Benedict plays it like I'm so frustrated with these guys that I have to work with. It's like in Roadhouse where it's just like, why am I paired up with these incompetent goons? Right. Like, you know, I didn't get to pick my coworkers here. Like, these are just all the guys that Vivaldi <laughs> has stuck me with. Um, I also kind of like to think that it was like a personal character decision. Like that guy was having his moment and he was like, you know what? My, go- my goon's not going to be able to catch stuff good. <laughs> It's a great choice like because it's so choice. memorable. I'm going to get some screen time as a character choice. My guy's kind of klutzy. <laughs> I love that. Game number three. <laughs> it is good. Um, but Danny is like is smirking because his plan is like working. He's got the, the money that thank God Jack Slater told us would turn funny colors when he burned it. He's yeah. going to go in the fire. Now, as Jack is returning to the house, we see like, Red smoke is just fucking billowing out of the chimney. Nothing burns with this much smoke. It's what I imagine the Satanists do when they elect their new dark pope. <laughs> <laughs> the anti the anti pope has been chosen. That's right. Give us the red smoke. Hail Satan! Hail Satan! <laughs> oh my god! Um, it's like such a fucking far fetched movie scenario, but I think that's the whole point of it. Is like. The heavy exposition earlier, the the Danny sort of rolling his eyes at the shit. It would have yeah. it would have been amazing if if they'd thrown it in there and Danny had just counted down from five, five, four, three, <laughs> two, and then like he came through the skylight, just started <laughs> yep. like shooting everyone. It's amazing. <laughs> Meanwhile, one of the henchmen has taken like Whitney off into the other room. He's roughing her up. Uh you know, like straight slapping her around. Yeah, hitting her hard. It's pretty Not- gross. Um, Whitney, though, turns the tables on him and starts, like, just wailing on the dude. It's like ripping right. his ass. I mean, she straight killed him. She snapped his neck. <laughs> mm-hmm. Is mm-hmm. that her first kill? No. Nah. Like, in her life? No. <laughs> no, absolutely not. <laughs> what What are the previous circumstances? I imagine, I imagine she smarted, uh, started with uh, small animals. Um, <laughs> Maybe homeless people. And then like- worked, He took her down into the jungle. Yeah, worked her <laughs> way up. They're in, they're in LA, so they went down to Skid Row, and she got to pick her first one out. Um, she fed a cat to an ATM. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
That mental image is <laughs> horrifying. Oh my god. Is it the is little it... bill slot part and just like chews yep. it up? Have either of you mm-hmm. ever owned a cat? No. No, I'm allergic. Yeah. I think yeah. they're fine. I think that if I weren't allergic and if they weren't mischievous and <laughs> and um two-faced. <laughs> you have no room in your life for mischievous two-faced pets. Nope. That's fair. It's <laughs> fucking fair, man. Um, I don't own a cat because I just, yeah, I'd be I that dude. Wanna. I'd be pissed off fast and I don't feel like fucking with litter boxes. Yeah, I don't especially want something just like shitting in a box in the house. <laughs> no. Shit in the toilet or, or not at all. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> what? Whitney is like. Yeah, she kills the guy. She, yeah. yeah, she fucking murdered a man. She takes the dude's gun. She busts back into the like main room, fucking hero mode. Um, she's like, let the let the little boy go or whatever. There's a knock at the door, causes a little momentary distraction. One of those goons, like I don't know what fucking Dalton-ish like roundhouse kicks yeah. the gun out of her hand or some shit. But I love that it hits the same <laughs> Butterfingers yeah. guy who can't catch it again. He's like, oh, oh man, <laughs> this is my moment again. Butterfingers man fails at the catch. Yep. Someone goes to answer the door because. Of course you'd go answer the door, I guess, if you're in the yeah. middle of, like, whatever it is that's happening in this home. A mass murder. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a goofy-looking little kid. Skeezy. It's skeezy, I guess. The Yeah, the kid from the sorority prank. The child that she was supposed to kiss. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> he did look young as fuck. I feel like he was supposed yeah. to have been college age, but he didn't look it. No, he, he looked underclassman, yeah. Yeah. So... At that moment, uh, Jack bursts in down through the skylight. He just fucking starts wasting everybody. Uh, it's pretty awesome. He grabs, he like drops down right between two dudes, grabs each of the guns that are in their hands and like just machine guns the other dude or whatever. It's like this fucking outlandish shit going on in the shootout. Uh, heavy metal guitar just like fucking shredding. It's epic. Yeah. <laughs> but I love that the dude electric, he grabs an electrical wire and electrocutes a dead guy's arm to then force the muscles to contract, to squeeze the trigger and shoot some folks. That part ruled. Is that some shit you think that's medically accurate? I that mean, that's, that's a little bit far. I, um, I, can, <laughs> I can give you, I can give you this, this bit of firsthand information. One time I went frog gigging. What's that mean? With my uncle. Hunting, frog hunting, spearing them. You it's, spear uh, a frog. I, I you stab yeah, it with a stick. Shit. I can't give. I can't get too far into the weeds because we've already spent too much time talking about it. But it's like at the end of the night, we got home and cut the legs off oh. and skinned them, and then you sprinkle salt on them, and the legs would kick. Oh, fuck. independent because yeah, it, it like of the- yeah. The electrical signals. It activated the electrical signals in their little nerve endings. What, these I are bullfrogs? These are like frogs that you're mm-hmm. eating them up? How was it? Yeah. Nice. Delicious. Fucking yeah. hell. How yeah, old are I was thinking... Um, Danny Madigan's age. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. I was, probably, I, was probably, I was probably 12 or 13. Okay. Yeah. I'm down with it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, Jack, what, he's like, yeah, he's fucking killing guys in creative ways. He slams the dude's head through the drywall. I feel like he, like, snapped his neck backwards or something. Um, mm-hmm. Another dude just, like, blasts Jack in the chest with a shotgun. He goes flying backwards. It's like, seems like curtains for Jack Slater. But nah, he just grabs that gun that was dropped earlier and, like, just wastes the dude. He, like, 
pulls the bulletproof vest that he was wearing out from underneath his shirt. Why take it off? <laughs> that's a fucking great question, my friend. Wait till the shooting is done. That's that's Why? the move, it seems, though. Like, if you get shot, like... The reveal? You gotta like, reveal them. We have Clint Eastwood to thank for that with the yeah. the stove door, or whatever the hell that was. I mean, and let's just say, he clearly... Like, you were fucking seeing nipples through his t-shirts in earlier scenes. Like, he's not been wearing a bulletproof vest, but I'm gonna chalk it up to, he keeps it in the trunk. He saw that red smoke, and he's like, time to vest up. Shit's about mm-hmm. to pop off. Um, that seems likely. So... Benedict smartly is like, I'm getting the fuck up out of here. He takes off, runs out of there. He knows something weird's going on. Like, I feel like he's realized that something is amiss in this world. It's like the fucking Matrix. Yeah. Something just doesn't quite add up. I got to get the fuck out of here because, like, this dude Slater's invincible. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to figure it out and I'll live to fight another day. Right. So... Jack drops probably one of the best little weird one-liners in the movie. I love it. I've got to catch the red eye. <laughs> and uh, fucking like cannonballs off the balcony or something is doing a series of flips, <laughs> flips and somersaults and fucking handsprings down like through the Hollywood Hills. It's badass. Yeah. <laughs> I love it, dude. The, the, this is where like when the movie works, it really fucking works. And this, yeah. I feel like mm-hmm. this whole... The shootout and everything like that, the hair on her head, like this is a, a sequence of several consecutive minutes where the <laughs> film is actually like working up to its potential. Right. Danny, he runs out of the house. He's like, man, I can't believe it. Like I'm missing all the best action, which is also kind of clever. I dig it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he hops on this little like little girl's bike. Yeah, it's the bike. It looks just like the bike that Bran stole from the little girl in Goonies. <laughs> really, the, just like it. Little <laughs> white daisies on it. Yeah, <laughs> they have like tensils on the handlebars. Yeah, <laughs> no handbrakes. You just turn the pedals backwards when you want to yeah, stop. Yeah, that's right, baby. The pixie. Uh, whose bike was that? Was that parked at a neighbor's house or was that in Jack's it, house? It was just outside. It was house. just outside. It was a bike of convenience. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> conveniently placed girl's bike. Yeah. Got it. They always turn up when you need them in films. Right. It's the truth. Totally. So he hops on that motherfucker and he starts riding off down the hill. Meanwhile, Benedict is in the car. He's telling the driver, the big Asian butler, odd job, sub-zero, uh, Professor <laughs> Toru Tanaka, whatever you want to call him. Mm-hmm. He was fucking, uh, he was Buxton's, like young Buxton's butler in Pee-wee's Big Adventure as well. <laughs> <laughs> He made a living of just playing like the manservant. A varied career. <laughs> He's got range. Uh, <laughs> uh, Benedict is telling that motherfucker, drive fast. We got to get out of here. Jack is like made it down the hill faster than the car, I guess, because he steps out. Shortcut. And just starts firing an unrealistic amount of bullets. <laughs> I, like, I went through and I counted like there was at least 30 shots from the pistol as, as the car is bearing down on him. Seems legit. Yeah. For whatever reason, Benedict tells him to turn around and start driving back up the hill the way they came. I would think this is sort of a dead end road, but maybe there'd be another way down. Yeah. It's not how I understand the Hollywood Hills. I feel like you get to the top and like, that's the exclusive part. And then there's nowhere else to go. You come back down. Yeah. I don't know. But at any rate, uh, they whip it around and start driving back up the hill. Jack pursues on foot, mind you, still. Yeah. Fucking warp speed. Meanwhile, Danny's riding his bike down the hill. There's Christmas lights everywhere. 
the cold the cold open took place at Christmas too. But that's a different movie. Maybe every Slater movie is Christmas time. It's a Christmas yeah. movie. It's all Die Hard. Like Die Hard, yeah. And Lethal Weapon. They did film this movie November through whenever. So maybe it was just legit Christmas time. I wonder how they do Christmas in California. I don't really know. Palm tree. It's like that Corona commercial. Yeah. <laughs> that 30 year old Corona commercial. They keep I rolling. I love that commercial. It still runs, baby. Yeah. It's awesome. That and the Hershey Bells. And mm-hmm. the uh, Cadbury eggs for Easter with that weird animal. You don't see that one at Christmas very often. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, the car is like approaching. Danny's like riding down the hill. He sees his chance to like play chicken with the car, Jack Slater style. He's like, this is going to work. I'm a good guy. I can't be killed. Then at the last second, I think he realizes, wait a second, I'm a comedy sidekick. Yep. <laughs> like this might not work. And he of just, course I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, so he swerves off the road. He somehow goes airborne. He's just flying in the air now. Like, mm-hmm. I guess we chalk it up to it's Jack Slater world and anything could just start flying at any moment. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Like when the car hit the pile of cardboard boxes, it just went flying in the air. Yeah. Everything that happens in this, it seems like a video game glitch. Like you, you, <laughs> You like hit hit a weird seam between worlds and it just threw your limp, lifeless body in a random direction. It was like full E.T. shit where like the bicycle was flying in front of the moon. For certain. This is 10 years after E.T. and it looked way shittier than it looked in (laughs) E.T., which is that's shameful. But um, I think it's kind of the point. I don't. I, I think, think it's supposed to look shitty. I think yeah. it's a. I think it's a product of just really rushed uh, post production. That's 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 also true. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he lands on the like the roof of a house. He's flown onto the roof of a house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People. Um, then he crashes off the roof of the house. Jack is like, I guess he seems like proud of Danny's moxie or whatever. Yeah. He helps him up carries him home the fucking moon is huge yep like yeah. it's a weird special effects shot where i feel like everything in the screen that we're seeing is fake right i don't even know why but <laughs> danny is like telling him that benedict's got the magic movie ticket stub now right. uh meanwhile back at vivaldi's mansion benedict is like popping in a fresh eyeball <laughs> I love his his wide selection of eyeballs on that eyeball tree. Having an eye selection, like a collection of eyes seems weird, but maybe you would have it. I don't know. Maybe it's an accessory. Well, and when he takes it out, he takes the one glass eye out and it doesn't look like he's missing or. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. It looks like he's just got both eyes and he's just been putting in a fake eye on top of his (laughs) real eye is what I like. I didn't notice that when I was younger, but like I was watching it now. I was like, did I miss something? Is he is he just putting in colored contacts? I'm confused by it because he's supposed to have an empty socket in that moment, but it you does think. seem like he's taking an eyeball out and putting a new one in. We can't get hung up on it. No, we're not. Gonna, <laughs> let's not nitpick the details, boys. Um, he goes awkwardly to lean against a wall, and his arm just goes right through the wall, like into another whatever parallel, yeah, real world yeah. dimension or whatever. Got the yeah. Twilight Zone is playing on TV, which is a nice touch. Convenient. Yeah, like Rod Serling's voice. You're traveling through another dimension. Yeah, it's amazing. The, I mean, now the Twilight Zone is back, I guess, though. I haven't watched the yeah. new version. But does, does that Twilight Zone theme just remain relevant to people 
young kids today. That music bit is just eerie and weird, and I think it's been used enough in parody it's and become, refer- it's referential ubiquitous. that it's like it's its own thing. It's that part bit of, of music yeah. means this is weird, and things are about to get freaky. <laughs> I'm with it. Uh, so back at Jack's house, police are like cleaning up the mess. Uh, Jack and Whitney sort of seem to be like in a daze, exhausted, whatever. Danny, oddly. Gets an idea. He grabs a spiral notebook pad from some place, writes something on it, approaches Jack with the pad, and is like, read, read that what I've written here on the pad. Jack refuses. He says he's not in the mood to play Danny's games. Danny's like guessing, ha, you can't say it because this is a PG-13 movie. This right. is just a yep. weirdly out of place moment for this gag. For this moment in the movie, yes. Elsewhere in the movie, I would have said it would be awesome. Yeah. But for this yeah. moment, it's like Jack just took a cigar off of a corpse, and it's like, <laughs> right, what's happening right at, now? This at the Acme played, blockbuster. Like, that, yeah, the blockbuster portion of the film when he's trying to convince him it's a movie <clears throat> is the where it would have fit. Yep. And anyway, um, or maybe during the like the interrogation scene or something earlier. Right. I don't know. Definitely not now. Right. This is not the time. The kid skeezy is there. He's given his account. He's like, I got a license plate number of that car for the guy with the missing eye. And then uh, he's like, you mean the glass eye? And he's like, no, when I saw him as I was missing, one of the policemen finds Benedict's red eye there on the floor of the room. And he's looking at it. And just For whatever reason, the eyeball can rotate around. It says vengeance is mine on the eyeball. Uh, the dude who found that eye is like a, a regular in McTiernan movies. Right. He was in Die Hard. He was in Hunt for Red October. He's in Die Hard with a Vengeance, playing a different character from his character in Die Hard. It seems dangerous if you're Benedict to have a, an explosive device inside <laughs> your eye socket. Yeah, hey, I don't know how the mechanics of like if you if the glass eye is in your cavity. <laughs> like I was like, could it not? Because they can still move. Could it rotate and what, accidentally what, armed? What if it accidentally rotated and armed and blew your like blew your or, person? I guess you'd up. never Wait. know what happened. What if it just shorted? What if you got punched in the face? <laughs> yeah, who knows? Anyway, it's a risky it, move to keep a shit blows up to keep an <laughs> yeah. explosive inside of your skull is weird. Um, but yeah, Jackie tells him drop that eyeball or whatever the fuck. It explodes. It <laughs> blows the entire house. I read that this was the same exact explosion like shot that was used in last boy scout. Like that. They were just like, fuck it. We're using that same shot of the house in the Hills blowing up again. I don't know. I didn't break out my last boy scout DVD to double check, but it's fucking weird. Also cut to police station. Jack and Danny are okay. They're singed, but they're okay. Um, I don't know how you survived that. Doesn't yeah. even fucking matter. Uh, Decker's like chewing them out. Fucking full gibberish. I got the California Raisin doing an all version of the Diary of Anne Frank. <laughs> Is that what he said? <laughs> and, and then he says, I slurped about all the cocks I could toast I could take from you. <laughs> Is that the point where he's got like literal smoke is blowing out of his ears? Yeah. Yeah. On full Looney Tunes. It's Um, amazing. Again, we got American Gladiator Hawk is like just 
fucking peeking in that window. <laughs> Decker tells uh, Jack to hand over his badge and you won't be getting it back this time or some such bullshit. Yeah. Cut to Jack is like packing up his desk, kind of sad. Uh, there's like a woman who looks very concerned and is decked out in like full S&M gear. <laughs> but very concerned about what's happening. There's a fucking black and white Humphrey Bogart just roaming yeah. around. That was yeah. kind of awesome to me. There's so much happening. I was into it, man. Uh, yeah, it's very cool. Practice. Agent practice of the FBI. F. Murray Abraham shows back up. He's telling Jack, come work the Torelli mafia funeral with me. Is that how shit works? That's not how police works, but whatever. <laughs> like like as an outside security guard? Like He's like telling him, come on, it'll be fun. Even though you've just been fired, you're yeah. no longer a, a lawful police officer. No fucking chance, man. Uh, he says it's the funeral for Leo the Fart. <laughs> fucking what? <laughs> I feel like I feel like they asked a 12-year-old, they're like, what yeah. should his name be? Leo, Leo the, the Fart. fart. What, what would it be funny if the mob guy's name, what would you call but, him? But, the but. Booger, the butt face. <laughs> Yeah, Leo the Fart is his name. Yep. So that's cool. Uh, Which yeah, gets paid off later. Practice tells mm-hmm. him, you know, someone tried to kill Torelli, but they hit Leo instead. His death apparently happened yesterday, but the funeral is like tomorrow. That's a fucking quick turnaround. <laughs> Some people just want to get it over with. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. The, the funeral, he's like saying, it's very posh. It's going to be on a rooftop in Long Beach. Very swanky. I don't know. As funerals go. We've we've yeah. gotten back into the lazy part of the film where we're <laughs> yeah, like, oh, sure. we gotta we gotta get to the other decent part where things make next, some sense. The next watchable portion of the film. Uh Jack passes. Practice tells him, Well, come on by if you change your mind. Fucking weird dude. <laughs> Again, not how not how police work works. It's a party. But, yes. Yeah. But in an inspired moment, there's like a a bit of Mozart that plays in the soundtrack. Yeah, as, the, as they're walking up the stairs at Jack's shitty apartment complex, we hear like a guitar riff on the melodic theme of the first movement of Mozart's 40th Symphony. I fucking dig it, dude. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty badass. So Jack, yeah, he takes him back to this like really shitty unfurnished apartment. It's just like a mattress on the floor. Uh, he reveals that this is his home. Now we've like shifted back into a scene that fucking works again to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the apartment fucking sucks, man. It's like (laughs) 50 feet from the freeway. (laughs) There's like no, there's just cars loudly driving past right outside the window. No privacy whatsoever. Right. Uh, Jack whips out his gun and just starts blasting through the closet door. He like opens the door and a dead goon falls out. (laughs) <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Danny's yeah. amazed. He's like, what? How did you know he was in there? And he's like, there's always someone in there. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's awesome. <laughs> His closet's just like filled with dozens of the same outfit. And like a little gun rack of dozens of the same like big desert eagle gun. <laughs> it's oh amazing. My yeah. It's amazing. A row of boots, a row of jackets, a row of shirts and jeans. Like Zuckerberg's closet. It's fucking awesome. There's like. I don't know if you noticed there's there's the wall inside is riddled with bullet holes. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, and he says something about constantly going through col- he spends a fortune on closet doors. <laughs> yeah, he For says, real. I spend his fortune on closet doors. 
Just it's, stop replacing them, man. Just have an open closet. There'd be no place for the guys to hide. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Jack is like, just again, he's gone into this sort of depressed Jack mode. He's telling Danny, like, this is my life. Like, this is not just entertainment. Uh, Danny's telling him, like, don't worry, you'll get your badge back just like every other time this has happened. Like, just go save the day, you know, as usual, whatever. Jack's like saying, I don't know, man, this is getting harder and harder. Like, I just wanted to be a regular cop and this crazy shit keeps happening to me. (laughs) And like, even crazier, I somehow keep surviving. (laughs) I love that he's like, it's like he's become self-aware now. I don't know. He realizes something is weird going on in his life, I guess. Exactly. Uh, Danny's telling him, don't worry, things always get crazy in the sequels, but, you know, your life isn't so bad. Danny reminds him that he's got a great daughter, an ex-wife who obviously wants him back. <laughs> this is another great moment, a payoff from earlier. Yeah. Where Jack is like, it's like, that's not my ex-wife. That's just some woman that I pay to call and pretend to be the my ex The cashier ex- at the drugstore <laughs> yeah. that he pays to call and pretend to be his ex. So that all the other cops think that he has a life. He points out, like, He's like, do you really think I'd marry someone stupid enough to be fooled by a tape recorder, <laughs> like, on the phone? <laughs> then he's like, my ex-wife is happily remarried. She never calls. It's like, damn, that's, like, yeah. it's kind of sad. He's, yeah, he's depressing. Jack says he wished Whitney was like other girls, but she's like, whatever, she skips prom to play with guns and, like, she's... Field strip at AK-47. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you get when you take your child out to, like kill human beings pretty early in their life. That's right. For fucking sport. Your children are what you make them. She helped him overthrow Valverde. <laughs> you think um, that was fucking uh, Jenny Matrix? It was Jenny Matrix. I like, I like also that he says that she's going to die a young maid and that he'll likely die soon too. It's fucking, yeah, it's turned very, he's gone into like a shame spiral. Jack Slater is bipolar. <laughs> yeah. He's like, yeah. don't worry, you can't die until the movies stop making money. To <laughs> me. <laughs> That makes me, John, do you remember uh, we were watching that Last Action Heroes documentary that's on mm-hmm. Amazon, and Shane Black was talking about like his original script for Lethal Weapon 2 where he fucking killed Riggs at the end? Right. And then the, then the studio was like, you can't kill him, he's a cash cow. <laughs> Thanks. They're like, thanks, Shane. Uh, we're going to use your story, but we're going to rewrite the script and maybe not kill the hero at the end. But I do feel like it's sort of a reference to like- Oh, totally. Like, totally. Mm-hmm. How the fuck do we kill the hero in a in a cash cow franchise? Danny's telling uh, Jack that he overheard Vivaldi saying something was supposed to happen at the funeral. Now the Torellis are having a funeral, like we should go check it out. Something clicks in Jack's mind. Funeral. Cut to Jack and Danny back on the road. It's gone from pouring down rain to sunny again. Uh, mm-hmm. I love that. <laughs> Jack is breaking down the story. He's like saying, you know, this guy kill, got killed. It was by accident, right? Well, maybe not. If it was Benedict, we know this dude's a fucking sharpshooter. He's like, got that it's probably a ruse to bring all the Torelli family together because Leo the fart, <laughs> his funeral <laughs> is going to be like a, a, a scheme to kill the whole Torelli family in one place. He says, right. whatever, there's a bomb. It's going to go off at the funeral. Danny says, I don't know. This movie's already had plenty of explosions. <laughs> <laughs> and then Jack is getting frustrated. 
like, I don't know. At what point would you start believing that the kid knows what he's talking about? Uh, At this point, maybe I would believe it, especially if Jack is starting to become self-aware that he like some shit's, you know, messed up in his life. And I don't know. We also can't ignore the fact there's just this like series of car crashes happening behind him. Yeah, I yeah. had that note too. So <laughs> all the honking horns and car crashes and things spinning out of control behind him is amazing. It's the idea that he's supposed to be driving really recklessly and causing these crashes to happen. He's like supposed to be weaving through traffic or some shit because he's kind of not. Yeah, I don't know. Like I, I've seen there have been other movies and I can't think of any off the top of my head where like if the the cast deviates from the like prescribed plot line, then things start getting weird. Maybe that's what's going on. But like mm. this part, I I feel like Jack has gotten away from his self-actualization and like realization rather. Um, yeah. And he's like back into like action hero trope where he's making some outlandish jumps. And he's like, mm-hmm. you know what? You know what that means about <laughs> yeah. like, no, Believe- no, I don't. What do you like? How did you get from point A to point B? That's not logical. He's right. right. But yeah. it's like you didn't have enough to go on there to jump from. Yes. Um, what you have evidence, uh, evidence wise to where you land for what's going to happen next. You're referencing that Jack randomly remembers like some nerve gas was stolen from a military compound a few days before. He's like, yeah. that was not, has not been mentioned yet. Right. Like no that's spray. just a thing. No. It comes from yep. nowhere. Okay. Fair enough. So he's like, you know what that means? Don't you? The, oh, the Ford is going to pass gas one more time. Yeah. Boom, 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 boom. Oh boy. I'm okay with that line. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It, it, it works for me still. It's something. <laughs> I don't, at any rate. Now, he's also referencing the air. There was a break-in at the mortuary, which hadn't been mentioned either. It doesn't really matter because I think we're just along for the ride. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's where they, they broke in to, like, put the gas into Leo's yeah. body. Right. They broke in at the yeah, mortuary right, right, right. to, like plant the fart but that was never has not been mentioned to us <laughs> plant plant the fart yeah. is great i also equally love that the nakatomi tower is just prominently behind them as they're yeah. driving along it's like another yep. little whatever Easter they've rebuilt thing. it <laughs> we can rebuild it yeah. uh jack like whips that car off the highway the camera pans up to like the rooftop funeral there's a the Hyatt. <laughs> there's a helicopter circling, I guess, for security. As practice had like said, there's going to be a helicopter there. Very. It's so cool. I don't know yeah. what. Uh, the rooftop funeral is crowded. Yeah. Vivaldi Lots of people is, there to pay their respects to the fart. <laughs> yeah. Leo the fart had a lot of friends. Mr. Uh, the fart. <laughs> Vivaldi is there. He's like shaking hands with Torelli. Benedict is there with. Do you Vivaldi. recognize Torelli? Yeah, dude, he is Pentangeli. Yeah. Frankie Pentangeli. Godfather 2. Amazing. That's badass. It's also depressing to think that this movie, 93, was closer to Godfather 2 than it is to now. Like, it was 19 <laughs> years after Godfather 2, and it's like, whatever, mm-hmm. 29 years from yeah. what go from now. Just makes me sad. <laughs> Buck up, son. We Jack, got this. Jack Slater sad or like regular sad? Uh, Jack Slater sad. Yeah. Mm. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> so Vivaldi tells Benedict to go and pay his respects to the deceased. Uh, Benedict approaches the corpse. He fucking arms the bomb by pulling Leo the Fart's <laughs> finger. <laughs> he pulls the finger. <laughs> this countdown starts on Leo the Fart's 
digital watch that he's wearing to be buried in. His finest digital watch. It's <laughs> like such a fucking sad little joke. He's also got, I guess, like John, fucking John Matrix's watch on because it's beeping with every second. <laughs> Imagine <laughs> if you had a watch that, that literally beeped every fucking second. Fucking cut drive my, me insane. Cut my hand off. <laughs> For sure. Uh, the arrangement of the bomb in that body is pretty intricate if they had to run a trigger down his arm. <laughs> to the finger. That they were ran in the, mort- the arm and then connected They were in the mortuary his- for like six yeah. hours. It's or a long like time. In there. Some that serious in there. like vivisection or whatever is happening yeah. in there. Uh, meanwhile, Slater has arrived. His car jumps the meeting. He drives through a fence across water like mm-hmm. it's some fucking Jesus Christ imagery here. <laughs> Jack tells Danny to wait in the car. Danny's like not really feeling that idea. Jack asks him, you know, you know what happens in movies when someone refuses to wait in the car? Is that's a good fucking point that Danny acknowledges. Mm-hmm. There's just scores more of people arriving for the funeral in the background. I don't know how many people are going to be up there. The roof was already full. I was about to say, there's standing room only on the second to top floor. Many more mourners are showing up, though. Danny, yeah, Danny acquiesces. He asks, like, what do I do if there's trouble? Jack tells him there's a gun in the glove compartment, which Danny opens and, like, guns just come spilling. (laughs) (laughs) Thus begins the section of the movie where there's a lot of an 11-year-old running around with a gun in his hand. Yes. Um, Mm -hmm. So Jack, he goes, he finds the agent practice. Explains to him what's going on. Practice, you know, much like Jack, agrees. That explains the breaking at the mortuary. Jeez, that's brilliant. Let's go. They go rushing off around the side of the hotel to the service elevator. Now, Jack knows there's something shady going on with practice, and he calls him out on it. He's like, we both know there's no service elevator over here. Uh, Practice pulls a gun on Jack. Jack says, I should have listened to Danny, who, like, had known all along that... (laughs) He was evil and he killed right. Mo Zart. Whatever. Who? Again, came yeah. and like sprinkles in another little Mozart musical cue in the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, practice gets very confused, but he says, you know, I don't know. I kill a lot of people. I can't keep track of all of them. Uh, Danny shows up to save the day, though. Didn't wait in the car. But then, whatever. Practice just walks and takes the gun from his hand. Like, yeah, it's real weird. It's very weird, like... You showed up to do the hero thing, but then I guess it was that thing where he's not brave enough to act. kill. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> he's not want... brave enough to shoot and kill the person. He's an eleven-year-old kid. He doesn't have the stomach to just shoot a man in the back. Because I, because I, I feel like he keeps trying to do, like he keeps trying to do brave stuff, but yeah. then he's not willing to take a life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you don't have it's... the stomach. To take a to go the full measure, you keep well, going half also, measures, Danny. It's also movie world. He could just go on a rampage and just blast everyone without consequence. That's true. Seemingly. Which is That's what true. happens in the original script. I'll I'll talk about it later. Ooh. But yeah, um, yeah, it's just this underdeveloped plot where Danny's like struggling to be brave. So practice takes Danny, handcuffs him to a pipe. Shades of the, his ordeal in the real world with the home mm-hmm. burglar. Uh, Practice is explaining the entire motive to Jack. Danny, meanwhile, is remembering that he's still got that handcuff key from earlier. So he takes it out. He frees himself. His practice is like continuing to explain 
why it is that he's working with Vivaldi. Danny grabs Jack's gun, which practice had had stuck in his waistband. Right. Meanwhile, Jack like pounces on practice. Danny is scolding practice. Hi, you made the classic movie mistake. You're explaining too much. You're just going on and on and talking and talking <laughs> instead of just killing someone. Like, why don't you just do it instead of, and meanwhile, as he's doing the exact same thing, yeah. a gun presses to Danny's head. It's fucking Vivaldi. It's like moments like this, I think, where the movie really works. Yeah. And makes and makes some of the other parts of the movie so frustrating. <laughs> but uh, anyway, now they've got Jack and Danny handcuffed with, to the pipe with a bomb that's set to go off in seven minutes. Well, that's the bomb on Leah the fart, I guess, right? Yeah, inside yep. the fart. <laughs> the fart. The, the fart's fart. That's right. So Vivaldi tells Benedict to go and bring the car around. Uh, then he bids Jack and Danny adieu. Mm -hmm. Vivaldi instructs Benedict to stay. You stay and make sure nothing goes wrong. Yeah, but then he like gets in his face and he's like, you had chances to kill Slater, but you always screw it up. <laughs> like, whoa. He's saying this to, to Benedict? Yeah, he yells yeah. it at Benedict. He's like, you, he's like, you had plenty of chances to kill him, but you always screwed it up. Uh, he drops some other malaprop there, too, that as he's driving away, Benedict's like, you fucking idiot. Like, yeah. that's not the right phrase. The dynamic's weird between these two. I feel like this thing was done better in Austin Powers when um, Seth Green's character was like, yeah. let's just get some guns. We'll go shoot them together. We can <laughs> yeah, do it like a father-son thing. <laughs> like, rather than to throw them into the pit with the, the sea bass. Um, <laughs> there's, there's still, I feel like at this point in time in 1993, they were still figuring out yeah. how you make a self-referential, uh, moment like this work. I don't know. But meanwhile, practice, he's gone back into like villain hubris mode. He's taunting Jack and Danny again and gunshots ring out practice sort of comically falls over dead. Like he just freezes and, uh, it's revealed that Whiskers, the fucking cartoon cat, <laughs> has appeared to save the day. Fuck it. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. love to say, like in the Ebert review, he calls like the thing that villains do is the fallacy of the talking killer. Okay. Like that's what they call it. It's a nice like phrase. It's like just people like sitting around talking and talking instead of just doing the thing that. Did James Bond movies invent that? I'm not sure. I'm not. I maybe I it goes even if, further yeah. back, but the first yeah. instances I can recall is every Bond villain when they've got Bond captured wants to explain the plan. They yeah. want Bond. Just, they want the guy. They want the hero to know just how smart they are. I just loved that. The, the villain wants to kill the hero, has him cornered, but all he can, all he has to do is pull the trigger, but he always talks first. <laughs> I he explains it. the hero's mistakes. He jeers. He laughs. He gives the hero time to think his way out <laughs> or be rescued by a buddy. Yeah, man. Who knew, though, it was going to be Whiskers? Danny DeVito himself. He did, um, he did attribute it to Bond. He said it happens in most every Bond movie. Okay, mm -hmm. yeah. It's a thing. I mean, it's a, it's a movie trope. That's yeah. why Danny called it out, I guess. I don't know, dude. I, guys, I'm spent. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think we should, we could leave it on DeVito. That's a high yeah. moment. That's a high point. Up. Yeah. yeah right, right before they get up to the funeral. We yeah. The farts funeral. Yeah. So yeah, Whiskers the cat saves the day right in the nick of time. Fuck. I think that's as good a place as any to leave it, don't right. you? I'm, I'm, yeah, let's wrap it up. <laughs> we'll wrap it up. We'll get back more to it next week, I guess. We'll be back. We'll be back.